Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Wait for it. No, you really gotta wait for it. Sometimes it's worth the wait. Sometimes you have to just turn down the lights. Moan a little bit. I have never been so much mm-hmm. in love. Welcome, folks. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Sing it, Jeff. In studio with me, providing the soundtrack this evening, Brandon God's Gift Ross, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on? How you doing, Brandon? I'm all right. What about you, man? I'm great, man. Oh, yeah. It's been a long day. A long day for me today. Yeah. Now, I've done nine hours of on-air broadcasting today. Nine hours. Nine. This is hour ten. So we're just going to let it all hang out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I just want to start with a quick note. Okay. Folks who maybe are just catching this show, mm-hmm. folks who maybe only caught a few episodes, and you know I'm talking to Brandon here, I'm talking to Emily and Eric and Mr. Spotlow and Baron and Christy and all these reoccurring guests. Okay. And they're wondering, you know, how did this relationship begin? The show's only a year old. We're just getting, this is the second week of year two. It's a blessing, man. The beginning of second, the second week of year two. So you can go back. Just if you've got Apple Podcasts, iTunes, like you got an iPhone or something, mm-hmm. well, you can look it up online too on SoundCloud. But just type in the Joey Clark Radio Hour. The whole podcast archive is there. All the things we've talked about, all the music we've shared, all the laughs we've shared. I listen to it all the time. Yeah, it's a great source, and I need to go back and kind of do an inventory. Because I just take it day by day. Oh, yeah. One step at a time. Oh, that's all you can do sometimes, man. So I need to go back and see, like, you know, look in the mirror. Like, how have I developed and changed over these last, you know, 12 months? Man, that... Do an inventory, you know. And that's, that's cool, too, because you do notice, like, 
some of the things that you used to do at the beginning, you know, you've kind of ironed out over over time and stuff like right, that. Right, right. Your interview tactics and just all kind of stuff, man. I've tried to let my hair down, literally and figuratively. <laughs> I've tried to relax a little more, make this more of a space for friends and for different opinions. For Of course, of course. I don't want it to be, you know... It's Joey's show, so only things I agree with and make me comfortable. <laughs> and to a degree, it'll, always, it'll be that way because it is my show. But, of course, of course. But I try to challenge myself and have folks on that like I don't always see eye to eye with, especially with politics because that's the most heated thing. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, policies, all kind of stuff oh, like yeah. that. And one of the last times I was on, we had talked about a couple things. Oh yeah, let's not talk about it. Exactly, exactly. It brings the, sometimes that stuff brings the mood down. And like I said, this is hour ten for me today. Oh man. And so I mean, so how how have you been powering through it? Because I kind of had a rough day too. Uh, huh. One of, one of the guys I work with uh, unfortunately had a migraine headache, so he had to call off. So it's just the two of us back there today. I can give you a play by play. Oh, go ahead. So I woke up this morning before the sun, mm -hmm. probably about like five something, five forty five. And uh, had a five-hour energy shot, extra strength, ready to go. Okay. Right on the nightstand, put that bad boy back, and then opened up my little app here, the DDPY app. Did a 40-minute workout with Christina Russell. Yeah, well, she's on the phone. She wasn't in my room, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, it was like a 40-minute core workout. Got that in, and I went by Infusion cryo and laser center mm -hmm. and uh, saw the ever so awesome and lovely Lori. She froze me for three minutes and uh, talked to her about what my day was going to look like. Then I swiftly free plug called up Chappie's Deli there in Perry Hill got four eggs with cheese and six six slices of bacon. And I wolfed that down sitting alongside Jack Campbell Okay, down in the break room came up here. We did news and views. Okay, okay. And then went through Dan's show, went through Greg's show, and now I'm here. That's what's up. And caffeine has pretty much helped me power through <laughs> the day. That and, you know, when you work out and you feel good, you tend to, I've been eating better <laughs> since this weekend. And and, and, yeah, and, and, and mentioning that, uh, I'm trying a new diet right now. Yeah? Yeah, uh, trying to... Doing like the ketogenic thing? Yeah, uh, low carb, high yeah. fat diet. There you and go. There you go. I don't know. As a person, I've never realized how much carbs have kind of controlled my diet yeah, until, I, you, until I cut them out. Not yeah. got to looking at like, wait a minute, no pasta? Wait a minute, no mac and cheese? No, like, I can't eat all sorts of sandwiches all the time. Oh, man. Right. You know, delis are pretty much my enemy now. Well, and do you have a sweet tooth? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's yes. going to be tough. I'll and be. I'll tell you, man, just don't. Don't yeah. eat sugary stuff because once you eat a little bit, you're gonna want more. Oh, oh, and you know what? That's just like cheesecake. That's one of my weaknesses. Mm. I don't even, I don't even look at it anymore. Well, you're talking cheesecake. Oh, it's so good, especially with real fruit cut up in it, man. That, was, mm. that is horrible. Mm. Some That's blueberries, horrible. some strawberries. Oh, that is torture, right there. It's so good. It's but so I, good. I, I come to find out that a lot of people. I don't know. They don't really know what they're putting into their bodies, though. Yeah, it's it's good to be aware of it. And I'm not crazy strict. Oh, of and course not. Especially the course more I've not. gotten in shape, the more I realize I can cheat a little bit here or there, as long as I work out hard and make up for it. Um, but you learn what you like. And, you know, just high protein, high fat. That's what I go with. Okay. 
and I enjoy it. I really do. So, but, uh, so I do realize I'm going to be eating a lot more omelets and mm-hmm. stuff Some like that. Some rotisserie chicken. Oh yeah, that's an easy fix. Like if you don't feel like making something, it's always rotisserie chicken. Well, some actually, grocery store. Actually, what I did, uh, like they were saying, the most important thing is meal prep. So Sunday, that's what I did after I grocery shopped. Yeah. So I got some wings and stuff. So I just seasoned mm-hmm. them up and stuff, and I'm just going to bake them. Bake it. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Yeah. Well, hot sauce. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Frank's. Frank's? Frank's is your choice? Yes. I have Frank's in the counter. Oh, yeah. I've been using a lot of, like, crystal lately. Crystal hot sauce. It's good stuff. I'm about to start, uh, if I can find the hot ones, uh, hot sauce. Yeah, they got a website. Yeah, I I can't find it in a normal store. Yeah, it's not there. Uh, At least not down south. I think they're a New York company or something like that. They're in the city. Wait a minute, but why does a lot of companies, like, I had never heard of Conecuh Sausage until I came down. Well, because it's an Alabama-based company from Conecuh County. I'm just saying. And Conecuh Sausage is damn good. Very damn good. There are some people out there who, you know, are contrarians who will crap on it just because everybody loves it. But those people are on that account. On that front, very stupid. Of course, yes. of course. They might be brilliant in other ways, but, but yeah. But that's just like, um, I'm, I realize a lot of companies down here don't come up north, but some do, like Alaga Syrup is oh, yeah. very big up north. And Alaga's Hot Sauce, I've been using that bad boy, too. I've never tried It's it. good stuff, man. I'll have to bring you some. i got a few extra bottles. Oh, man, you, you get out, don't you? Yeah, but I, I want to get back to uh, this inventory thing I've been doing. Okay. Because the show has been really about people over politics, or the personal is more important than the political stuff. Okay. It's, mostly, it's a news talk station. We'll talk about political things. Talked about some of it last night, and we've been talking about it all day. But I, I kind of have boiled it down, and I, really this line hit home with me. And forgive me, folks, if you've heard this before, but I've been broadcasting for nine hours. I might repeat myself. <laughs> Anyway, um, okay, it's one of my favorite lines now, and it guides me when it comes to watching the political circus. Okay, uh, it was George Orwell's favorite line of poetry by William Blake from his poem Auguries of Innocence. It's a really long poem, kind of hard to get through, but there's one line where he kind of breaks all the metaphor and flowery language, and William Blake says, "A truth that's told with bad intent beats all the lies you can invent." And the reason it's my favorite line when it comes to politics is when you catch somebody on an out-and-out lie, it's actually pretty easy to shame them. Be like, how dare you do an out-and-out lie? But what happens so often in politics is people, for the most part, even the smoothest, most cynical operators up there, tend to think, I'm telling the truth in some way, or I'll try to tell the truth in some way. Well, you know what's funny to me? Is in politics, they we tend to forget that politicians are people, yeah. so they are prone to the same mistakes that you and me are. But I love when they get up there and act like that they that they're just they've just lived this perfect life all their right. life. Right? You know, I've I've never uh, put my hand in the candy jar. See, I've we, never smoked. But I've we never expect drink. this of them too. I I think it's all the way around. It's not just the politicians. It's also the people who vote for them, the people that support them, oh, yeah. and talk about them. I mean, when you ask most people who are very impassionate about their political party or their politics, they don't think they're lying. How, how many people have you met that are genuinely like, I'm going to lie to win this argument? Not many. A few. A few? A few. 
But I don't I don't know too many people that are like, hmm, I'm in an argument on the book of faces or hmm, I'm in an argument at the dinner table or Thanksgiving dinner, whatever the hell it is. And uh, now, wait a minute. I have to use one of your statements. Sure. And you said this the last time I was on the show. Okay, go ahead. Most people do not like to be wrong. Right, they don't. So they will do anything nine times out of ten to win the simplest of arguments. But they don't. They don't like out and out lie. Like two plus two is five. What? Well, if they do say two plus two is five, they actually convince themselves that two plus two is five. That's how crazy. That's why truth's told with bad intent. What's your intention here? It, it goes back to this, uh, the woman, Christine Ford, who's accused Kavanaugh. You know, forget her, forget Kavanaugh. Christine Ford's lawyer, and I've been saying this all day. Okay. She was asked some question on CBS, and she said, in this highly politicized environment, I don't think we'll ever get to the truth. That's this woman's lawyer. In this highly politicized environment, we will never get to the truth. She's exactly right, because what the politicians are seeking is not the truth. And at the end of the day, what politicians are seeking is never the truth. But you, but you have They're to, looking for votes and yeah, support. Yeah, but you have, to, you have to realize this. One of the oldest sayings, because uh, my grandmother used to say it, there's your version of the story, there's their version, and somewhere in between, there's the truth. Maybe somewhere in between. I mean, but sometimes you're just right. But sometimes you are. I, I don't know. Sometimes you I, are. I can't, I can't agree with But that. those are rare moments. Yeah. Everybody wants to act like that's all the time. I'm always right. There are rare moments, you know, like in uh, Captain America, Civil War, or, you know, like his, who was it? Uh, Agent Carter dies. And yeah. uh, Agent 13, who turns out to be like her daughter or nephew or niece. Niece. Or, niece. niece. And Captain America, Cap's got the hots for her. She's like, sometimes when the whole world is telling you to move. You don't. You stand your ground. There are moments like that in life. And, yeah. they're, and they're epic and dramatic, and that's why it was in the damn movie. But most of the time, it is. The truth is rarely pure and never simple. It's multifaceted, especially with things like politics, where it's not like simple math, two plus two is four. It is like we're taking in all sorts of different perspectives and asking people, what exactly do you want to do with the power of a government? And so it's never very clear so the truth that's told with bad intent beats all the lies you can't invent. Because he can smell a lie, and he can smell the hypocrisy, usually in the other guy's eye, not your own. But when you think you're telling the truth, and you're convinced 2 plus 2 is 5, and the other guy thinks it's 2 plus 2 is 6, well, it is a very dangerous game we're playing. Well, well, think about this. When did most people learn that the earth was round and not flat? Right. Wasn't really that long ago, a few centuries. Yeah, yeah but but up until well, and there's still people today arguing that it's flat. Ex- exactly, <laughs> and people always ask the question, "Well, why don't we fall off?" <sighs> yeah, it's one of those things. But then I ran across a uh, another line, not a line. It's a it's a few sentences here it's from George Orwell. It was written in his own diary, written in 1942. When he is a BBC broadcaster for the British Empire. And he's in India broadcasting. And Orwell, just keep in mind, is the type of guy that grew up with prejudice. Okay. Like, in, like he grew up as a family who was being enriched. His father, I think, was in the British Empire, an officer in India. And his family was being enriched by the imperialism, by the opium trade, by so much of a corrupt system. 
and he grew up kind of not liking the lower classes. He grew up not liking the the natives of the different places. Of course. And yet he is a man to his credit. He wasn't perfect, but to his credit, he realized, I'm prejudiced. And he changed. To his credit, he realized, ooh, he was a police officer for the empire in India. He realized, oh, I kind of like the power I have. I kind of like dishing out punishment. I need to check myself before I wreck myself, and I become even more of a monster and a sadist. He, he started understanding these but, things but, about himself by looking in the mirror. Yeah, yeah, but see, most people don't have that self-reflection Unfortunately, skill. you're right. Um, unfortunately, you're right. And so he kind of, he would turn that very critical eye in perspective. He called it the power of facing important facts. The power of facing. Okay. And he wrote this in his diary because he could also turn it on the world. Once he, you know, a man who could do that on in his own right, change himself without much help. And when every other outside pressure is like, no, nah, you're good, man. You're the superior one. He changed. He wrote this in his diary in 1942, but damn it, folks, it applies to today. We are drowning in filth. When I talk to anyone or read the writings of anyone who has an ad, any axe to grind, I feel that intellectual honesty and balanced judgment have simply disappeared from the face of the earth. Everyone's thought is forensic. Everyone is simply putting a case with deliberate suppression of his opponent's point of view, and what is more, with complete insensitiveness to any sufferings except those of himself and his friends. And when I read that last night, there's something about not being able to have sex that makes me you know, think critically about the world. Of course, Maybe of too course. much sex means I'm just going to have, like, I get too comfortable. I need, I need some celibacy, some degree of it. Maybe not. At, I don't at some point, huh? I suppose. Um, when I read that last night, um, on a very celibate night, I realized, damn, that's what I want. That's what frustrates those. That exact sentiment is what frustrates me to no end when people ask me about politics. And so, kind of where I'm going with this, so giving voice to liberty in our time, or whatever the hell this begins with. Okay. Whatever I had Jeff Blake say. Um, Liberty is much bigger than uh, some economic theory or political ideology. I tend to think the best way I can find liberty and give voice to it the best of my ability is to have a critical eye and the power to face my own BS, number one. Which most people don't. And call out other people's BS when I see it. And it starts with this epidemic of bad faith. And filth, really, of I'm going to make... I'm not going to search for the truth, which we both agreed earlier is not simple. Of course. Rarely pure, never simple. Of course, of course. It's this complicated thing that you kind of have to discover and you talk out loud. So if I'm going to try to discover the truth and have a critical eye and give voice to not only my own liberty but the liberty of others, I have to start with how our political discourse is really a contest of I make my case, you make your case, and the object is to win. That's why I've given up trying to win. I, I understand that. Number one. Okay. Don't try to win. Okay. I understand that. But at the, at the same time, my solution is a lot more simpler. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you take two people of opposite demeanors and put them in the same room. And this is the thing. I'm going to speak and show you my, my point of view. Yeah. And you're going to speak and show me yours. Don't try to overtalk the other person. Yeah. Just listen. Right. And then speak when it's your turn. You know, if, if more people had more conversations instead of posturing, it would be a lot more things getting done. Exactly. You know, a lot more understanding of things. At least that's what I believe. Well, and this is why I realized over the last year the show had to shift from doing an interview with somebody with an agenda or an axe to grind and just go to, we're hanging out, we're having a conversation. And that's pretty much what we do most of the time here. Now, now you, you know what? That is... It's very cool because it's an open forum type thing here. Yeah. And, you know, the callers call in with questions and stuff like that. That yeah. is so cool. Yeah, it's great. Well, and also, I realized I can't sit up here at 6 at night by myself. I was saying to folks the... Oh, I said this months ago. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Yeah. I, said I need a witness. I needed a witness. Okay. I need people in front of me that can be like, Joey, you're, you're going off the rails. You're a little too self-involved there. That's mental masturbation. Stop it. And I, there's something about people face-to-face, number one. Like, mm. Skype is a close facsimile of it, but over the phone is even worse. If You need people right you know, in front of you. Yeah. So you can actually read folks. To, to, get, to get the, the real reactions yeah. at just in real time and stuff like that. Exactly. So I've been winding up all this to uh, talk about this particular story. Shocking, Brandon. Oh, shock me then. Are you ready to be my... Can I get a witness? I'm ready. You ready? Ready. Okay. All right. A writer Mm -hmm. for Sesame Street. Oh, God. Yeah. Bert and Ernie. Yeah. Bert and Ernie, you're gay, man. Why do they always seek to ruin our childhood? See, but it it doesn't ruin it for me because it's like, I mean, especially as I got older, it's like, obviously, Bert and Ernie are gay. Oh, of course. Of course. You see that when you're an adult. That's just like the whole Roger Rabbit thing, which is what I brought up before mm-hmm. with Jessica Rabbit. I'm like, whoever drew them, were they were pervs. Come on. Yeah. Walt Disney and everybody at Warner Brothers, they were pervs. Most of them. Pepe, yeah. Pepe Le Pew. Come on now. In a way, I'm, I'm a perv. I mean, but who isn't? Exactly. I don't think anything I like is that out of bounds, really. Oh, of course. I'm pretty vanilla. Yeah. You know, but, you know, like, yeah, if anybody's creative, there's going to be an element of transgressiveness. Like, mm, you set a rule, I'm going to break that rule. You oh, set a boundary, I'm going to cross it. Oh, oh, of course. That's mm-hmm. just like, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of anime and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know what 14-year-olds they're drawing, but 14-year-olds have never looked like that. Like, they look like grown women. You know, they're they're like this short and way out to here. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And (laughs) yeah, I know what you're talking about. And it's just, it's stupid when I watch it. I'm like, really? Yeah, why do you look like that? And that's, and Japanese women in particular don't look like that. At all. Yeah. Not at all. And it's odd. And and it's funny because they still have the stereotype of drawing, like, blonde girls as, like, airheads. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, even in their culture, blondes are airheads. Well, of course. Of course. I mean, the, Japan and the, the mix of Japan with Western, particularly American culture after the war, is fascinating. I mean, they're still their own thing. It's a unique place. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, they've definitely been influenced by Western culture. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, when I saw this stupid Bert and Ernie news, I'm like, well, first off, people are like, they're puppets. They're not real. I'm like, the, why are you yelling? <laughs> and, and why are you getting angry? <laughs> right. It's just, it's just, they're fictional, they're real fictional characters. I'll put it I that mean, way. I mean, it's it's part of your childhood and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that would be like the Me Too movement come out and say... Oh, well, Mr. Rogers was touching women for you. That would destroy me. Yes, that would that be terrible. Would de- and Mr. That- Rogers was a patriot. Yes, he was. He was a man. Mr. Rogers was a man. That saved that saved uh, PBS. Yes. Way back in the day. Yes. No, I might quibble with Mr. Rogers a little bit. I mean, like, if your show was that good, which it was, amazing show, dude. You, you sure you can't get funding from anywhere else? <laughs> you sure? That you're not going to be able to, like, especially in this day and age. I know we can't, I'm mixing the the future and the past here. But, like, today, with crowdfunding, like, I have this program meant for kids and how they can empower themselves and feel responsible for their own lives and have agency. And it teaches them lessons, how to deal with complex emotions, whether, you know, things like success or terrible loss and tragedy. And I do it through just... Being there, being somebody's neighbor, yeah, it's a great message, and a lot of people would latch on to that. And, and that's what the senator said when uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Rogers was telling it. He was like, "I would watch that program." One of all the things I would cut from the government, I wouldn't immediately start with Mr. Rogers and Big Bird. I wouldn't. There's other things I would cut. I mean, I did see a study. Now, this is ch- you know chump change, okay, to you know the federal budget. But, like, yes, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars went into a study to figure out the effects of cocaine on quails, yes, the birds, uh, sex life and sex drive. So if we stuff quails with cocaine, how does it affect their sex life? That was an actual study. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Here's an idea. Number one. Let's stop spending millions on stupid studies. Yeah. Number two, let's stop giving millions all around the world to other countries when we have broken poor people here. Yep. How about that? How about we just use some of our millions See, but now, to take care of our people? Now you're now you're pissing off the the imperial. I mean the 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 leaders in the world. Not it's not an empire. We're just a hegemon. We're just the leaders of the of the world. See, here's the thing. I look at my number one issue with the government, just the overarching issue, and it is the federal debt. Okay. You know, there's a lot of stuff. I don't like Trump's immigration talk Mm -hmm. or the crackdown policies. I mean, there are certain things that he brings up where I'm like, again, the truth is complicated. So he brings up people that are murdering people who are here illegally. I'm like, yeah, that's bad. We should stop that. Now, Absolutely. Now, now, I find that very funny because if you remember, the pilgrims that came over here, most of them were cast-offs from England that no. were murderers yeah, and this rapists. this country is a combination of elitist landowners, Puritan, like religious types, and criminals. 
That, that's what most of them I are. tend to think I mostly come from the criminal stuff. <laughs> that and later in the 1900s, I came from a strong Polish tradition. Maybe a little bit of Russian. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, so Trump will say stuff about immigration that's sometimes true. Okay. But then I don't like the way he presents solving the problem. I don't like his talk, uh, how he talks about trade whatsoever. Like they're stealing money from us. No, we're rich. We buy stuff freely. It's like when I go to the damn store and I give them money and they give me, you know, a caffeine drink. It's like I am now, I now have a deficit with them, goes the logic. It no. doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I can also see the complex truth of maybe he's trying to put leverage so they eventually bring down their tariffs and we bring down ours too. Fair enough. It depends on how you're playing the game. Those are the two things that really drive me nuts about this president. A lot of other stuff, like, yeah, I wish taxes were lower. But what I don't like is that the deficit and the debt generally, the deficit for this year and the debt generally continues to go up, 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 up. And we just keep print, 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 print money. And that is with Trump, who doesn't even have his infrastructure program like he wants already. This is without, um, well, what the Democrats are now proposing with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and <clears throat> what, $40 trillion proposed for like free college education, free health care for all, all sorts of other programs she wants to implement. It costs like 40 something trillion dollars over a decade. So, you know, $4 trillion a year. She was asked about it by a fairly friendly interviewer. Cuomo, and she said, "Well, we'll tax, we'll raise the corporate tax, and put a Wall Street tax. That'll maybe cover two trillion. Let's be generous. Covers five trillion. Doesn't, but covers five. It still leaves you with thirty-five trillion to cover, and that's with this crazy debt. If we just kept things how it was, it well, is now. It's still well, well, a huge you, you, debt and a burden. You have you have to realize. Do you know what would happen to the college infrastructure if everybody was able to go? Right." Because you would have more, what it is, you would have a lot less jobs and more people qualified to work. Well, and why do we have to go through this accreditation bottleneck that costs crap loads of money to get an education to make us better people well, and help us to learn a trade or a skill well, well, to provide well, to others? Well, we well, don't need it. Well, let me tell you this. Up until the late 70s, you used to be able to graduate from high school licensed and bonded in a trade. Yeah. Now, they took that out to make people go to college. Because before then, college enrollment was very low back then. Hmm. Because everybody graduated with a trade, and nine times out of ten, you were able to make good money coming out of high school during your trade. So the college system really wasn't getting any money. So then they made a deal with the government. It was like, well, I'll tell you what. Take these programs out of the high schools and let us let us teach them. And, they're, and just overnight. You know, colleges have become this almost billion-dollar industry so, between football yeah. and education. So I, I generally, we're overextended financially. Of course. And yet we still have our health care system is, I mean, it's the most innovative in the world. If you want to have the most cutting-edge research and service, you know, 
treatment in the world well, well, you come well, to the United States. Well, well, you go I'm, to like MDM or something. Well, 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 you said service, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with Canada. The fact that they can give all their citizens yeah, free health care. But I'm what I meant by innovative, cutting edge. Oh, cutting edge technology and stuff like that. The United I, States. I will give you that. I'll and give you that. Yes, there's there are other countries that can provide it, but there are, there are trade-offs, always, with a Canadian system, with a British system, two different types of single-payer. There are other systems. You know, if you look at, for instance, um, Denmark, which some places, or some people would like to point to, why can't we be like Denmark? Mm. Well, number one, they're like the size of one of our states. And yes, Pretty that much. does make a difference. Yes, different cultures with the different states, all sorts of stuff. But... The dirty little secret is if you want a big welfare state that takes care of people, it's like you won't just be taxing the rich. You'll be taxing everybody. The cash cow of this country is the middle class. If you're looking for tax money. If, if we still had a middle class. We, we Nine do. times out of ten, it's usually the haves and the half-nots. We do. We come, do have Come a, on, Joseph. We do have a middle class. Be, be honest. No, we do, man. Well, the, number one, if we do look at haves and have-nots... Even the poorest person in America is in the top 1% globally. It's much better to be a poor person in America, say, in, like, Bangladesh. True, true, when you're comparing us to third world countries. Well, this is what I mean, though. So if we looked at ourselves as a global community, the United States has a middle class, and it's a weird... It's one of those terms, again, where the truth is complicated. How do you define it? It depends on where you live, based on your income. Do you define it by just income and the amount of dollars you have in your bank account well, or by the stuff you have well, well, the well, you amenities have, you have? You have to consider, we haven't had a middle class probably since the 50s. And that's when everybody was kind of prosperous in the United States. Yeah, but people's standard of living has gotten way better since the 50s. Oh, it has. Because you can't just look at the dollar amount. Median wages, like the middle class wage, has flattened in the last few years. But... The middle class, the average person in America, even the we can take the poorest in America, people actually under the poverty line, okay. still have TVs, cars, yeah, central heating and air, electricity. That's true. I mean, we've got it pretty, even when it's terrible. And yes, I'm not denying that it can it can be terrible in this country. And it's not always something that has to do with money. It can be bad. You can have all sorts of money, and then somebody gets sick, and all that money goes away. I, I get it, why the health care issue is so bad. Well, yeah. But generally, the United States, things have been getting better. Uh, there's a book by Steven Pinker, Enlightenment Now, that he's talked about the last 200 years. Generally, things have gotten really, really much better and, and continue to progress. And will they... A little bit up in there, there's some anxiety about that. But I look at we're overextended financially. Of course. And I think we are overextended militarily. And we're underfunding education. Yes. So, we're doing it very poorly, too. We're it, spending a lot of money, but we're doing it poorly with those dollars. Yeah, yeah. We're spending it on things that don't benefit us in the end. Right. To where, you know, you might get a high price degree, but... 100000 in debt. Right. You're going to spend the first 10 years of your good job and you're paying not, it off. And all these jobs that are open, like skilled trades, nobody knows how to do them. Uh, and they're looked down on for some reason, which is stupid to look down on that. And they make more money, too, doing yeah. those skilled trades. So, I mean, I, but I look at the, the discourse in our politics, what's on cable news and talk radio often, like, 
When's the last time you heard about the debt? Really heard about it? When's the last time you heard about being overextended in terms of the U- U.S. military obligations abroad? As George Carlin always says, the government act like it no longer exists. If we ignore <laughs> it, wish. if we ignore it, it'll ignore us. I wish. Come on, before we hit this break, it's going to be a short break, folks. I'll tell you about Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Oh, a good friend. Yeah, if you're thinking about changing your future, making your future better, uh, I highly suggest investing in rental property, especially in this area. There's a lot of turnover with the military base. And if you invest in rental property, number one, you're going to think, hmm, how do I get tenants, people to actually rent out the property? Well, well not, not only that. I mean, isn't managing property kind of hard, though? Right. I, and so how am I going to get tenants? And even when I get the tenants, am I going to have to manage it? Exactly. I don't, I've never been a landlord. I don't know how to do this. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? All this extra work. Do I have to keep up with it and stuff like that? So keep you, the might, repairs up? you might think in, you know, in an ideal world, like, yeah, it'd be great to have a property that I own, that people are renting for me, and I make money off of it. covers the mortgage plus some my profit out of it. This is why. You need to call Eddie Bader with, with the, the Goodson, Goodson Group at 322-0662. Again, that number, 322-0662, or visit thegoodsongroup.com. Because if you go through Eddie Bader and the Goodson Group, and you're thinking about buying rental property, uh-huh. before you close and you own that place, they will find you tenants. So you have money Ooh. coming in the first month, and they will also manage that property for you. Oh, that's what's up. It's a sweet deal, folks. Man. Or maybe you want to buy a home because that family's growing. Uh, maybe you're renting and you're a bit nervous about being a first-time home buyer. Or, or maybe you want to buy that house to invest in for the future. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call or visit thegoodsongroup.com. But Eddie's number, 322-0662. Again, that number, 322-0662. Exactly. Brandon God's gift for us. Yeah, it's just kind of an inventory of myself where I'm going and... When the things that worry me about politics, they don't often get talked about. Oh, of course not, because people are scared to have discussions and being uh, uncomfortable. Well, because it doesn't play into the winning narrative. we got to win. We're on the side of the angels. Well, we're not always on the side of the angels. Everybody's got a little bit of a devil in them. We'll be right back, folks. Clark. Welcome back. I still remember hey. the day just seemed like the sensible thing to do. I actually found a quote that can kind of, because I can go on and on about my worries politically. Uh-huh. But what I bring to the table might be wrong. What I bring to the table is this quote I found. If you truly care about the poor and those dispossessed by hierarchical structures, which they, plenty of them exist, you spread Western ideas, and that is to say ideas started uniquely in the West, historically speaking. Mm-hmm. Ideas about the free market and the sovereign, responsible individual as rapidly as you can. That's what I bring to the table. You know what I would do? And it's simple. It's very simplistic. I switch the dynamic of people every year. I take the richest people. hmm Take away all their money, make them poor. I take the poorest people and make them rich for you. I think that would work out. But it would it would give you a taste of both sides and it would it would make rich people think like, you know what? 
maybe I should give more money to the poor. Sure. Because next year when I become poor, that's going to benefit me. You know, but if something. you actually did that, how do you think it would work out? I don't know. I think it would be a culture shock to like rich people. Like I don't think they could deal with being poor. Now broke broke people, I know they couldn't really deal. Some of the pitfalls of being rich, yeah, but it would be harder for a rich person to become poor. And if if you want proof of that, look at our last two great market crash. Like sure, well, yeah, like, rich like, people like, don't want to lose their money. Yeah, but. yeah, like like most most broke people's up there like oh. The housing market crashed. But there oh, are well. a okay. lot of rich people, man, who uh, who started poor. Yep, and they don't want to go back. Well, they don't want to go back, but it's if they had to, I suppose, I think they would deal with okay, it. Okay, but see, this is my thing. How many, how many people, like, during the 1920 uh, market crash, mm-hmm. how many poor people did you see going off the top of buildings? Oh, right. None. Because well, it's high stakes. They're, they're, they're just like, Very okay, well, stakes. I was broke yesterday. I'm broke today. Hey, right. Oh, well. Very high stakes. But I think if you did that, if you gave, uh, you switched trading places. Yes. Like, you know, you got the two you know, big investors like, let's switch Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. See what happens. Why not? Yeah. Uh, if you switched roles in that way, that'd be interesting. But I and, think if and, you, and just do it every year. Because that way, both sides get to get to see both sides of it, and it it makes. But here's here's the thing. Okay. And this is the most bare bones, brutal way I can put things. It's like, what if I don't want to? And here's the bare bones way I can I can put it: privilege. Well, no, okay, but make me privilege. It's nice to have that privilege to be able to say something like that. No, I would say it's a natural right. Of who? Everybody on Earth. Mm. Is Every it? human being. Is it? I think liberty that's a, is a basic that, right. That's, a, that's just like one of the things we say in our in our whole pledge is liberty and justice for who? All. Mm. But that's not the truth. Has it been fulfilled? Of course not. But then some people equate liberty with power. Mm. That I, I don't have liberty unless I can do everything I want. Well, no, nobody said that. But I'm, I'm going to put this in the in the most basic sense. What gives anybody else the right to force me to do anything, as long as I'm not trying to force other people to do things against their will? Well, money. Money is. Money has always. You assume I am dirt poor, and I don't want to do. I don't want to be a rich person. You I'm a weird guy well, who well, wants well, to eschew is... wealth, and no, I want you to leave me alone. Well, but see, this is the thing. You don't have to be a rich guy to exploit the powerless. Fair enough. But what if I am a hermit out in the wilderness? I'm trying to get this to the the basic point. Okay. I don't want to have anything to do with folks. Okay. I am self-sustaining for the most part. I hang out. I don't mess with anybody else. And for some reason, you or somebody else wants to change that. Like, Joey, you got to participate. Like, I don't want to. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hurt anybody. I'm not gonna force anybody to live how I live. But I don't want to. But you know what you know what stopped that situation? It's called industrialization. Well well, yeah, you can stay out here in the forest, but we're gonna build a bunch of buildings around you. It also until we shrink your forest. Right. And and that's what happened. That's People what also that's what chose bro- to go work in those terrible factories. No, but I'm just saying, I mean, 
that's what brought people out of there. better than subsistence farming. I, no, I get this. But here, I'm getting to the basic point of, like, I'm going to be peaceful, mm-hmm. but no. It's like Cap in that movie. Like, we want you to only go fight when the global government says you can. And he says, no. Well, there's a lot of freedoms we should have. Like, I understand what you're saying, but I should have the freedom to be able to go and walk around where I want to. But that's, it's supposed to be true, but it's not. If if I'm caught in a certain neighborhood after a certain hour, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. And I could literally just be walking around. Could. And it presents a problem. You know, that's the shameful part. But our country has some drawbacks when it comes to things like that. Yes, no, may see you look like you want to say something though. No, no, there's there are there are limits. Um like do you want somebody walking around in your house? Of course not. Of course not. Obviously. Course. Yeah. So there are certain barriers. I think everybody understands this. Um, unless I invited her. Right. And you can invite people. <laughs> yes. This is the point. Is that I, I truly believe in as long as you are being peaceful, you're not hurting anybody, you should not be forced to do anything. Mm-hmm. Whether it's because it used to be because the king says so or because the church says so. Well, well, society, society decided that, okay, if you're not being a help to us, then you shouldn't be able to live around us. And then it gets down to who is society? Well, it's you and me. Yeah. So because, well, I and mean, this is the thing. It used to be the king says so, or God says so, or the king says God says so. <laughs> and that's why you got to do stuff. Or the, the superior aristocracy says so. So that's why you got to do stuff. Basically, the rich. Um, and in many ways, in our theories, we've replaced the king or God with the people, the and, which comes down to the majority. In a democracy, in a way, mm-hmm. and then, and realistically, these days, most people don't vote. The actual winner on the last presidential ballot was uh, none of the above. <laughs> the vast majority of people said, "Yeah, to hell with this. I'm not even going to participate." But I, I come back to my point of like, well, who, society says so. Who's society? Bunch of other people. Why should they be able to tell me what to do as long as I'm not hurting anybody? Because majority rules. Why? That's just the way it's always been. Well, and I think majority rules is the same thing as a guy with a gun in your face saying, you're going to do it. And he's not giving you reasons. He's like, the reason is, I will hurt you if you don't. Well, well, It's the same argument. Might makes right. uh, One of the things that Leonard Nimoy famously said was, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And... Basically, what that means is sometimes you have to sacrifice the few to save the save the millions of mm-hmm. people. You know, people which I can. Which, which I get. Oh, I, no, I understand that in a sense, but I think that should be the few's choice to sacrifice. It's never been a choice, especially especially for the poor in our country. Because think about this: if rich people had to go off and fight wars, mm-hmm. we would have a heck of a lot less of them. Right. Period. Because most, mostly, poor people are your first people that are deployed yes. when we have to go fight a war. It's interesting. That's a fairly modern phenomenon. No. No. no, it, no I, it, well, well, besides the... No, even in the Civil War. 
No, but I'm saying mo- that's still fairly modern era. Yeah. Total Civil War is kind of the beginning of total modern war. Yeah. If you look back, it was sort of specialized small armies of people that militias fight. Militias and stuff like that. Legions or something like that. And yes, I think if rich people had to fight the wars themselves, we would solve a problem. And I'm the first guy. My whole point I'm making is that, number one, war is like breaking the rule I'm setting up on a mass scale. Like, you don't agree, so we're going to kill all of you. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, my basic rule is non-aggression. You don't come at me and the things I legitimately own, like I've actually worked here or I traded with somebody else to get this. Uh Uh-huh. And you don't do that, I don't do that, we're cool. Now, if I threaten you, you can defend yourself. If I steal from you, you can get it back. But but see when when you in, should be able to. in simplistic more simplistic times, that was a very great way for things to work. But I don't know. I guess the rule of law just kind of changed over time. Well, I would say that loopholes were found, the, so you had to have the vast majority of human existence has been a loophole. Of course, and there yes. has been an imperfect implementation of what I've been talking about for yep. a little while, and we've seen. Human prosperity and advancement, not just in terms of economics and wealth, but also social advancement and prosperity, integration between all sorts of different cultures in this country, imperfectly, I said once again, uh, never before seen in human history, based on this idea of liberty and an equal share of a common space and also to have your own personal space. That I think society is not something that's above all of us as individuals. Society is just a collection of individual people. Who decide and make rules over time. And they do. And we do. We make contracts. We make different rules. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Different rules for some. A lot of times it seems like for different people, though. Right. And that's the exact problem. Is like if you keep it simple, like don't murder people, don't assault people, don't uh, take their stuff pretty good yeah for the for the most part yeah no if you I, I kept mean, it that I, way because i would include the government in these rules oh then so the government work. no then but the government work. can't take people's stuff they can't murder people indiscriminately oh really no the governing authorities have to live by the same rules as what, everybody what, else what, because what, you know what they're people wait, wait a minute. they're not special because a majority voted for them they're not special because god said so oh. and oh here's the truth they're only special because they're willing to force other people to do what they want and they might try to justify it by having a majority or justify it by having a god or justify it by having science or whatever. They'll try to justify it in whatever Cause, way. Cause but this truth about power is power is making other people suffer. Well, I mean, because I was about to say, you, you might want to tell the Indians that, that they didn't. Right. That you're not just supposed to be able to. No, did, did the United States actually have manifest destiny blessed by God or did they just take it? Or did they just trade some shiny gems to a no, a guy for uh, Louisiana? Yeah, they, well, they yeah Napoleon took it, and then we bought it from Napoleon. But this is my point. They took it. Yeah. So you can create all those fancy justifications you want. I think we're all just regular people. And might makes right, apparently. And I don't think it does. And if people agree that might does not make right, then how do we build a system? 
we've kind of gotten close to that in the ideals of this nation, imperfectly implemented, as mm-hmm. you've pointed out. And of agree. course. But if we kind of kept going back to those and go, hmm, how do we implement those in better ways? Even though that other guy has been a complete asshat, has been exploiting me, how do we implement that in other ways? No. Just tear it down, give liberty and justice actually to all people. Mm. But I think the dirty little seeker is a lot of people don't want that. Okay. okay. They don't want liberty and justice. They want the privileges other people have. <laughs>